to have the opportunity to share with you this morning. Um, I, I feel like this church um, is a campus on a hill, literally, um, but you're a city on a hill to our city. Um, and I, this church, my wife and I came here, a place of um, really coming out of a painful time in ministry. And honestly, we just wanted to hide on the back row. And, um, but we met a young couple, Pastor Bill and Eunice Newby, um, and they're both here this morning. What an honor to have you here this morning. And they just wrapped their arms around us and loved on us and helped us get healed and put back together. And um, it's, it's been an honor and privilege to get to know Pastor Dennis and um, serve with him, serve with him on the board and um, see such a wonderful transition as him become the senior pastor here and do so with such um, integrity and um, a passion for the Lord. I loved on Wednesday nights to hear him preach and teach out of God's word. Just an excellent Bible teacher and lover of God. And um, I don't know anyone who works as hard for the kingdom of God as your pastor does. Um, he loves God and he loves you. Um, we're, um, we're really good friends with um, both the Wrights and the Wyatts, and um, they have uh, been such wonderful friends and will continue to be. And my goodness, the Becketts are the greatest family pastors in the history of the world. Um, you have my kids. Um, I've been in family ministry as well, and they say, Dad, John is so much better than you are. <laughs> and it's true. Um, I just... Um, want to say that you have um, an excellent staff. You have um, people who have, um, Charlie, as I parked my car, was the first person I saw this morning. You have people who have um, labored and served for years in this city for the kingdom of God. And I just want to champion that. Um, if this is your first Sunday or this is one of your hundreds of Sundays at Crown Point Church. Um, dig your feet in and work for the kingdom of God. Um, I just feel that this is a season um, for this church and for our churches as a whole to um, reap a harvest like we've never seen before on earth, um, like we've never seen. And my wife and I are, uh, I almost said fixin'. I, di I, di I almost said fixing. Um, we are fixing. No, I can't, do I can't do it. We are about to move to Vidalia, Georgia, to pastor First Assembly of God in Vidalia, Georgia. And we're actually moving this week. We're moving Wednesday. We'll start next Sunday. And we really wanted our last Sunday here in Kansas City to be with you all. And again, I begged for the opportunity to, sh to share. Again, this series is Words to Live By, Words to Live By, and I get two scriptures in Romans. I remember growing up memorizing scripture, but nowhere near 23 books of the Bible that I learned the Romans road to salvation. You know, these pivotal scripture verses in the book of Romans that help you know what it means to be saved. And it kind of frames what salvation is, to understand our condition outside of Christ, and then to understand our identity now that we have Christ. 
the Romans road to salvation. And listen to Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now I'm sure that you either have something on the refrigerator that's a scripture verse or in your Bible, you have highlighted scripture verses and are about overcoming and, and taking on the world and being a champion for Christ. And, but on its own, this sounds like a very disappointing scripture. This scripture is kind of a downer. I did not hear you say amen when I quoted this scripture. It gets better, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The context right before this says this. It says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Now verse 24 says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There was an identity crisis with the New Testament church and it had to do with Jew and Gentile. And here the writer is saying, Gentile, you don't have to become more Jewish. Because, and here's the context, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You don't need to attain to be like them. Because they too have an identity crisis outside of Christ. And this is so important for us to embrace today. It's difficult, but it is vital that we understand outside of Christ, we have an identity problem. We can't fix the world. We can't save anyone. You can't save yourself. We're what's broken. We're the brokenness. We're the thing that needed a savior. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not justified by our background or our environment or our family history. But you are not condemned because of your background or your environment and you are not condemned because of your family history. When we think of sin, we always think of bad stuff, right? Lying, cheating, murder, etc. We think of sin, we think of doing bad stuff. But Romans says the problem with sin in our life is that we're really falling short of the glory of God. That's the sin problem, not, oh my, I did a bad thing. I'm supposed to be nice. I'm supposed to behave right. I'm always supposed to know how to respond. That must be what sin is. And in Romans, it's saying the sin, the real problem is that we're falling short of the glory of God. Our lives aren't honoring God. And I think we could all say at times we've done things that probably don't honor God. I mean, that's what the verse says. We've all done those things that are not honoring God. And I was thinking about a lot of the prayers that I pray, and maybe a prayer that you pray. Is the problem with prayers that we pray is this. We're really asking God for a life 
that no longer needs him. God just fix everything so I can once again manage my life. God remove this situation or this person so I can once again be in control. So many of our prayers. And then I think of in Philippians. It says, what does it matter? My present situation, what does it matter as long as the gospel is advanced? What a kind of a different mentality is that we constantly want to take hold and control of our life and situations. But listen to what Romans 6, 23 says about that. For the wages of sin is death. The wage, what we can produce, is still death. I know it's not amen yet. What we produce on our own is still death, but the gift, not a wage, not what we've earned, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. I want to close on that scripture and come back to it for just a second, but I want to look at a story in the New Testament. And I think it nails the identity problem that all of us struggle with. And it talks about a conflict between a Jew and a Gentile. And how Jewish people were threatened that Christ would take the message to a Gentile. And how the Gentile did not want to embrace Jesus Christ because of the Jews. If you have your Bible, this is Matthew 15, 21 through 28. And it says, leaving that place, in verse 21, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And it says, a Canaanite woman. Now in Mark, it doesn't say Canaanite. It gives a more general description, which could be said, a Gentile. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, and you know this story, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now, Scripture says in verse 21 that Jesus left that place. He left a Jewish settlement where he was preaching and doing miracles. He left that place, and he went to this other region. He went outside of the Jewish settlement to where this Canaanite woman was. Now, in this story, this is the only person that we know that he talked to. He went out of his way to this woman. And so he's standing in a very distinct place, a place I think all believers belong, a place between believer and unbeliever. Today, we're gathered with believers. This week, you will gather together with unbelievers. It will happen. I think it's a place every Christian belongs, that tension of believer and unbeliever. It's a place that we belong to bring the two together. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but yet there's hope. That place in between, that's exactly where Jesus goes. And here's what she says to him. She says, Lord, son of David, she says, king of the Jews. Not my king, but king of the Jews have mercy on me. She doesn't say, my king. She's like, hey, guy who's their king. There's still like this detachment. 
Like she has no connection with him. It's not personal at all. And all she asks for is have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And listen to verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, and this is their moment. And they say, send her away. For she keeps crying out after us. And then scripture here takes another turn. And it says, Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So here's the picture. The disciples are asking Jesus to send her away. They don't offer to help. They don't offer to minister or assist her her in any way. And they're not asking Christ to help her either. They're asking Christ to send her away because she is not theirs. She's not theirs. And her very presence is bothering him. They are annoyed by her request. And listen to me this morning. This is very important. The foundation to your life with Christ is understanding your identity in him. It is the foundation of your faith is to understand who you are in him. My oldest son, Jace, is 16 years old, and he has his own car, and he has his own job. He has his own checking account, and all these things make me feel very old. And he thinks he has all this new freedom now that he has all these things. And so my wife and I, well, my wife set a curfew for him. It's 11 o'clock. That's his curfew. That's when he has to be home. Now, almost every time when he goes out, about 10.30, he'll send me a text. And it starts with, please, (laughs) please, dad, let me stay out an extra hour. Please, dad, I'm with my friends. Please, dad. And I simply say, your curfew is 11 o'clock. And Jace is a wonderful boy. Can I still call you a boy? He is a wonderful young man. He, he has never missed curfew. We, he drives fast, <laughs> but so did I, and so did your mom when she was 16. <laughs> but a week ago, he sends me a text, and it's 1030, and he says, hey, dad, please, can I come home late? I need to take a friend home. And I said, no, your curfew is 11 o'clock. And then a few minutes later, I get another text. And he's saying, hey, one of my friends is going out of town. Can I stay out late and spend extra time with him? And I said, no, your curfew is 11 o'clock. And then he sends me another text at 10.59. And he says, Dad, I'm going to be home late. And he says, the waitress at the restaurant didn't give me my bill in time, and I kept asking for it. And I go in the bedroom. My wife is laying in bed. She's not asleep. And I have my phone, and I said, Ronan, look at this. 
look what he's done. He's tricking me. He's trying to manipulate me. Look what he's done. And I'm, I'm so mad and, and I'm so upset. And I lay in bed beside her and I'm just like making noises. Like, and I'm running through my head because I've never had to really punish him. I'm running through my head all the ways that I'm going to punish him. Like, what am I going to take away and what am I going to make him do? Like, all the ways so he never does anything wrong ever again. I've got to get him good, right? So I'm like, what can I, and I'm, and I'm in bed, and then I hear the front door open. I look, and it's, it's, it's like 10 minutes after 11. And so I hear the door open. I hear him come in the house, and I, the hall light comes on. And I'm laying in bed. The lights are out in my bedroom. My wife's awake, too. We're both laying in bed. And he peeks in our room. He opens the door and peeks in the room. And I hadn't decided how I was going to handle the situation yet. (laughs) So I didn't say anything. I was like, do I just start screaming? Do I start, give me your phone. Give me everything you own. Give me your key. I didn't know yet. I was still coming up with a plan. And in that time, because the lights are out, he thinks we're asleep. So he shuts our bedroom door, and I hear him go into the bathroom, brush his teeth, go down to his room. And I turned to Ron, and I said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. You know what is the, the Bible says? <laughs> you know, don't let before the sun goes down, you know, your wrath. And so I was like, before, the sun's already went down, but before morning, I'm dealing with this boy. And so I go down to his room, and I still don't have it really formulated how I'm going to handle the situation. But I'm mad, and I'm upset, and I feel like he manipulated and tricked me. And so I go down to his bedroom, and I open his bedroom door. And when I open the door, he's in his room, and he's in bed, and he's crying. Now, i got to be honest. That thing that my parents said to me, And I'm sure their parents said to them, and their parents said to them, crossed my mind. In that moment, I thought, but I didn't say, I'm going to give you something to cry about. (laughs) I didn't say it, but I thought it. (laughs) And I said, Chase, why are you crying? Why are you crying? And he says, through tears, he says, Dad. I'm so worried that you don't trust me and you think I tricked you. Dad, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I completely understood that you were telling me no. And in that moment, my heart broke for my son. And here is what bothered me. And I felt this no No, no, no way in my house is my son not going to know who he is. No, no, no way is he going to think for a moment that he is not loved and treasured and adored. We have sacrificed way too much. It is a sacrifice when they turn 16. We have paid too much. There's been too great 
a price paid to get him to that moment for him to feel like he doesn't understand his identity in our home. I got in bed with him and I put my arm around him and I said, JC, I love you so much. It's okay. There is nothing you could ever do to change how we feel about you. Now, I want to say to you, and I want this to sink in. No, 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 no way are you going to go through life not understanding who you are in Christ. Do you realize the price he paid for you? Do you realize that heaven sent its best and Jesus paid the ultimate price and then he rose again so that you could have a whole relationship with your heavenly father? Nothing you could ever do because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. There is nothing you can do to separate you from his love and sacrifice for you. Be rock solid in your identity in Christ. And so the woman, in verse 25, comes and kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. Something changed. No longer are you king of the Jews. She kneels before him saying, my king, Lord, help me. Now, when she does that, when this Canaanite woman kneels before a Jewish king, she just earned the rejection of everyone in her homeland. This Canaanite woman who had been battling the Jews for decades just earned the rejection of everyone in her community. Her family, her neighbors, her friends, her co-workers, as soon as a Canaanite woman kneels before a Jewish king, she earns their rejection. But she says, you're my Lord. If you're going to fully embrace your identity in Christ, you have to come to terms with rejection. Some people do not like you. Some people will never like you. Some people will reject you no matter what you say or what you do or how many times you say you're sorry. Some bosses will never be pleased by you. They will never promote you. Some people in your life will never treat you with respect, dignity, or love, and it's not about you. Almost always, the people who reject you are not rejecting you. They're acting out their own rejection. We can either get mad, reject them, change ourselves, or we can be spiritual. Several years ago, I worked in management at a retail store, and one day the human resources department called me, and I had to sit down with the manager. And he had a folder and I could tell it had several pieces of paper in it. And he says, Joe, I need to share with you a few incidences that have went on. 
and he opened his folder, and he said, here's the first one. Now, when he said the first one, and you're in an HR office, <laughs> so immediately I got defensive. And he said the first one, he said, there's somebody who works for you. And did you or did you not say, when they shared something personal in their life, did you not say that you thought they needed to take their whole family and start going to church on Sundays, read their Bible and pray? And I was like, I probably. (laughs) Before I could say a word, this HR manager held up his hand. And he says, I don't want you to say anything yet. And he flipped to the next page. And he said, did you or did you not pray for somebody who works for you? Did you not, on the dock, the loading dock at this retail, did you not pray for them? And I was about to answer. And he said, no, 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 don't say a word. And he turned his paper. And he had about seven or eight incidences where I was just a Christian at work, where I had shared my faith, I had prayed with somebody, I had done different things like that at work, and he shared the whole thing, and he closed the folder, and he said, it's very important you don't say anything. He said, whatever you say, I have to take note of and put in your file. And he says, I want to address these seven things with you. And I thought to my, I was so angry and defensive in that moment. I was ready to fight. I thought, how am I going to get fired for just being a Christian? And to be honest, I don't even feel like I'm a great Christian. How, 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 and I just, I was going through my head all the different ways I could defend myself or maybe I could deny it all. And it was kind of my Peter moment, but not really. And, you know, do I deny or, you know, how do I handle this situation? And he said, Joe, he said, when you were hired by this company, we knew your background. We knew that you were a minister. And so when we hired you, we knew that we were hiring a minister to manage these employees. And he said, what you have been doing and what's in this folder and what's on record here, he said, listen to me. He said, I absolutely, absolutely need you to keep doing this. This is the exact reason that we hired you for this position. And he said, but wait. He said, you cannot go to a single person who has brought up these charges against you and ever mention it. You cannot try to defend yourself. You cannot try to explain your situation. You can't try to smooth things over. There is nothing that you're allowed to do. But he said, no, we fully support you. So I felt a lot of hope and hopeless at the same time. I'm like, there's a misunderstanding, and I've offended them, and obviously I've done something wrong, and there's something about me they don't like, and there's nothing I can do about it. For me to remain in my position, I had to embrace rejection. To continue to do what God in that season called me to do, I had to embrace rejection. As soon as I started to defend myself, it's over. And listen, there are seasons of your life where there's nothing you can do but keep doing what God has called you to do. In this moment, the only way this lady embraces Jesus as her Savior and 
sees her daughter healed is to earn the rejection of other broken people. We, in hindsight, can look at that and say, easy decision. Her in that moment, though, probably the most difficult decision of her entire life. So here's what Jesus says next. He replies, it is not right with her kneeling at him. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. We have to think, Jesus, what are you doing? She is kneeling before you. Her entire village is now rejecting her. And you're talking about bread? And you refer to her as a dog. And here's what she says to Jesus. I don't know how many places in the Bible that people argued with Jesus and won. She says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. So Jesus, in verse 26, he's talking about bread. This picture of bread being the message, right? Bread is a picture of the good news. Jesus and the disciples, immediately after this story, they're getting ready to teach the multitudes and feed the 4,000. That's right after this story. That's where they're headed next. In that story, with the multitudes and a crowd over 4,000 people, the disciples are going to echo their words in these verses. Once again, they're going to say, Jesus, send them away, because there's not enough food to feed them. And Jesus, I don't know if he did it or not, But he could have said, remember the conversation we just had. There's always enough bread. There's always enough for hurting people. There's always room for them. There's always a place for them at the table. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. There is only a hurting humanity that desperately needs a Savior. And the disciples still didn't get it. They keep wanting to send hurting, hungry people away. And listen, church, we as a church, in what ways are we saying and behaving and acting and talking in ways that reject the very people who are so hungry for a Savior? If you're in here this morning and you say, I'm not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm here for whatever reason. Listen, there is room for you at his table. There is room for you. Whatever you've done, whatever you've said, whatever you've experienced, there's room. In closing, I want to look at Romans 6. At Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The context in Romans 6 there. It's talking about slave and master. And he's saying, you have been slaves. You have been in slavery. But when he mentions in verse 23, the wages of sin, the wage there, the Greek is a soldier's wage. This is the wage a soldier would receive after a battle. This is the payment he would receive. 
And so when Romans 23 says the wages of sin is death, it's saying what a soldier has earned in battle through death, killing, and destruction is just more death. And I want you to listen to me this morning. There are things you can accomplish outside of God. He has given us the grace to do things on our own. You may have the ability to be a great business person outside of a relationship with God. I don't know. You may be excellent with finances outside of a relationship with God. I don't know. You may be a wonderful husband and parent outside of a relationship with God. I don't know. You may be the perfect wife outside of a relationship with God. I don't know. But I do want you to know this. A soldier here in scripture, a soldier's wage after toil and toil and toil on his own is death. He dies on that battlefield. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but all of his energy and all of his toil and all of his labor at the end just brings his death. And there may be things that you can accomplish on your own. And there may be areas of your life where just like we talked about, where you have not let God in. Like you need him occasionally, but you don't have an intimate relationship with him. There are things you can accomplish, but listen, at some point, you die there on that field. At some point, that only brings your death. Have you ever seen a movie? Maybe it's about a robbery or a heist. And the person maybe is getting older and they say, just one more heist and then I can retire. Just, we got to hit the big score and then we'll be done. You know how the movie, it never works out like that. And in our lives, we think, well, if I could just work this out. I mean, right now my marriage is messy. I, I can't go all in. I'm struggling physically. I mean, there's things in my body and, and the doctors don't know how to handle it. So that thing makes us feel like we can't be all in. I've just got to manage this first. Maybe you're a young person in here and you're like, there's things I want to do in here first. There's things I want to do on my own before I really give my life to Christ. I mean, maybe when I get married and have kids, we'll start to become part of a church. But right now, I want to do this the wages of sin is death. You will always be one war away from being content. You will always be one battle away from having joy. You will always feel like you're one deal short of making it. The gift of God, a free gift from God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you stand up this morning? Heavenly Father,
I thank you that we have identity and purpose in you. God, it, it feels in my own life blasphemous to say that you're in my life and I'm a part of you and you have a purpose and a plan and a hope because God, I've struggled with sin. I've fallen short in my life of honoring you and yet I am yours. So God, I pray right now I pray that we would feel a freedom from performing for acceptance from our Heavenly Father. I pray a freedom from that right now in Jesus' name. Your word says, perfect love cast out fear. God, I pray just like my five-year-old daughter, at any time, for any reason, will run and jump on my lap and embrace me. She has no fear of her father. And God, I pray right now, I pray whatever would make us feel separate from you, I plead the blood of Jesus over it. I plead the blood of Jesus over it right now. God, I pray that you would remove the divide between heaven and earth. God, I pray that everyone in here who hears my voice will know we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's plan and will for our life, but that's not where it ends. The gift that you have for us is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God, I bless this house. I bless this church. What an honor for me to stand here at this moment and say a blessing over them. God, I bless them with fruit. God, I pray that this church will be a city on a hill. God, I pray that you would continue to send broken, hurting people into this church and they would experience new life in Jesus' name. God, I pray that there would be a fresh, new anointing in this house that would break spiritual chains off of people as soon as they walk in this house. God, I pray fruit. I pray increase. And God, I pray, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in this house and in our homes, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stay standing with us just for a minute. And I just feel like we would be uh, remiss if we didn't offer offer this opportunity, but just uh, all across this room with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed just for a moment. I just got to know and I have to ask if there's anyone in the room today that today you, you, you heard this message. You heard about the love and the hope and the future of Jesus and today you, you feel that. You feel that deep inside of you today. And God's speaking to your heart right now in this moment and you need to take this moment and ask Jesus to be a part of your life, to be the Lord and the leader of your life. All across this room, no one's looking around, no one's peeking. If that's you today, would you just simply put up a hand? Thank you. Is there anybody else here today? You could say, that's me. 
I've got to have, after hearing who Jesus is and how great he is and how wonderful he is, I've got to make him a part of my life. Is there anyone else today? Just put up a hand. Simply put up a hand and we just, we're want to, going to pray together this morning. Let's do this today. And I'm going to ask everyone all across this room to repeat after me. But if that's you in this room and maybe I didn't see you, but you put your hand up, we're all going to pray this prayer together. And we're all going to, but if that's you, you said that, I, I want you to pray this prayer like your life is going to change because of this. And it will. But we're all going to pray this together. Everybody say Jesus. Everybody say it louder. Say Jesus. Say it with power. Say Jesus. I ask you into my life. Come into my heart. Change me. Make me new. I know you died on a cross, but you didn't stay there. You rose again to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate our friends this morning?